pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello everyone and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 274 and don't you run for that door because we got a lot of good movies to talk about. It's your host, if you body weighing in the booth with me, all my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have the Christmas Zaddy himself. Uh, look, Ify Shakuda Ichi Way's favorite film critic, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Well, you know, if it's December, so if you think my what's goods aren't all going to be holiday related, then, you know, what show are you even listening to? Uh, I want to do a quick recommend for a book called Christmas Past by Brian Earle, who hosts a podcast called Christmas Past. And it is a, the show is wonderful. Like he is one of those voices that's just meant for NPR and uh, like we'll take a thing out of sort of like a holiday tradition we take for granted and be like, why do we drink eggnog? What's the deal with fruitcake? Um, you know, and, and he'll just really kind of talk to the right people. He'll track down the experts and he'll give you the full history about what wassail is all about, you know, and they're not just food ones. Those are all the ones that just leapt into mind. But, you know, he talks about like, why do we say Merry Christmas and not Happy Christmas and a lot of different uh, topics. And this year, he has published a book uh, called Christmas Past that captures uh, a lot of the stuff that you've heard on the show, as well as some new nuggets of info as well. And uh, it's a, it is a, a, a lovely hardcover book that makes a great gift, but you can also get a Kindle version and you can get an audio version so you can hear the mellifluous tones of Brian Earl reading his own book to you. So if you are a fan of Christmas trivia in any way, of just sort of like holiday deep dives about stuff you didn't know about, check out Christmas past, the book, the podcast, the audiobook, all of it. Ooh. That seems like the only kind of stocking stuffer I could feel worthy of sitting right next to have yourself a movie little christmas by alonzo Duralde. well yes. thank you that i mean my I take on that there's a lot there's a big it's an ever-growing library in my house but this is definitely I'm sure your house <laughs> i want you to know i heard that i was like uh i don't want to know why anyone would say happy christmas i just know after i lived in england i did that and mostly because i knew it made me sound like an asshole <laughs> <laughs> oh, happy christmas happy christmas, happy christmas. Weirdly, weirdly that yeah. does doesn't come up in the book, but I, you know, I think we might, that might need to be an addendum. You mean yeah, Americans yeah. trying to sound like assholes and using British lingo? Happy Christmas, Yoko. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you, that 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 cheery holiday spirit uh, can only be known as the Queen of the Midwest herself, uh, Super Festival programmer producer Drea Clark. What is good? All right, my what is good is information that I have already forced on you, my friends here in the Zoom we are recording in, because I put on a lipstick for <laughs> our Zoom of a color that I adore and love and not enough people in the world see, because I do not see enough people in the world sans mask. I mean, I'm happy about the mask. You guys know that. Mask, pro mask here. But it's Lisa Eldridge, who's this fancy ass uh, makeup artist and has a line. And she's incredible. And I love her YouTube as well. That's a side what's good. But it's called Skyscraper Rose, which Ooh. seems perfect. Ooh, and yeah. I think there's something that... Putting on a bright-ass lipstick gives you a very specific feeling. I recommend it heartily to all of you listening. Give it a go. Let me know how you feel about it. Why are there more printed like N95 masks with a lipsticky lip on the outside? I mean, honestly, we are years into this panty. Yeah. Let's pick up the design <laughs> elements. Mix it up, kids. We don't like, all have to look like we're surgeons. <laughs> Right? Put the weird fake grin on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. You, see, you, you learn something new every time you uh, <laughs> pop on Max Film. We're giving this stuff out for free, you guys. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. You know, some uh, some other hosts would put it behind a Patreon, but us, <laughs> no, we're, giving it, we're giving it out there. Next up, we have a wonderful, illustrious guest, as we most often do. But I am so excited to sit down with her. It's film critic, culture writer, and podcast host, Katie Walsh. What's good? Katie Walsh. Well, what's good is obviously being back with the Max Film crew. Love being here always. But what's (laughs) also good is I finally saw RRR. 
I had like I I was out of the country when it was playing in April when it came out. I I missed the Beyond Fest screening because my sister had to go and get married that weekend. It won't happen again. Getting mar- my sister getting married during Beyond Fest. <laughs> um, uh, so inconvenient. Um, why didn't she consult me? Uh, and <laughs> so I was waiting, waiting, waiting for a screening in person. I wanted the the cheering, the fanfare. I wanted the people dancing. And boy, did I get it at the Arrow on nice. Friday night. Um, hey. It was wild. It was Everything I dreamed of and more. I'm so glad I didn't watch it on Netflix. Although it is on Netflix, so you can watch it. I'm sure it would still be great. I like. I can't wait to see it again. And yes, there were people dancing in the middle of the theater, up and down the aisles, screaming, yelling. I, I mean, I was just like, had my hands in the air like the whole time for three <laughs> like hours. A, like you were on a roller coaster. <laughs> yes, I was yes. just like, tigers! Yes! I'll say, even because Alonzo's been like, ringing the RRR bell since the very oh, yeah. first screening and I think you've seen it multiple times. I it was a little late. I got I, I went to the oh, encore okay. or or this summer. Uh but yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. If you if you can see it projected, uh I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And and yeah, just to see like regular folks suddenly leap out of their chairs and do the Natu Natu. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but I'll say even if you yeah. can't, if you are or if you are like packed theater verse like me, I watched it with a small group in a living room. Nice. Also great. Like surround yourself with fun yes. people. Be prepared and willing to get out and dance around or just to scream in what? Every <laughs> yes. time there's an animal fight you weren't expecting. Yeah. yeah. Um yes. I think if you you could get a group, you know, project it outside, just get ready to get loose, like it's yes. so Come worth limber. It. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, speaking of limber Iffy, what's good? Ooh, oh, see, you say you can't segue. Yeah, that was yeah, my literally. one segue. I feel good yeah, about that you, one. You nailed it. Yeah, no, what's good with me is, uh, you know, uh, really doing it up this year with the Christmas lights. Uh, you know, I, I got right right now, you know, we're a week into uh, my my frozen Sven. Uh, no, no, Sven's. Yeah, Sven is the. Sven uh, is the is the the reindeer. Yes, Sven, yeah. and then on top Olaf of his head, I was going to say donkey. So yeah. yeah, it's like Olaf and Sven. And I got to say, if you want, you know, a nice uh, inflated uh, yard piece, make sure you uh, go ahead and uh, hammer that down, or he's going to be tumbling <laughs> a lot. He's taking a lot of tumbles. Uh, the Santa Anas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just just really getting the best uh, of, of him, uh, and I won't let it go. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, make sure <laughs> oh. that... <laughs> It is Come secured because I got to protect my Christmas decorations. But it's been real exciting uh, actually leaning in and getting real festive around the house. Uh, Emily is a huge Christmas lover, so uh, has thus uh, taken over making the whole house, uh, you know, uh, the best, I guess. holiday rific. Yeah, holiday rific. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew I, every time something Christmassy happens, I feel the need to report it to Alonzo. It's <laughs> like, hey, this is what's going on. And then uh, he, you know, checks it off on his spreadsheet. He's like, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm expecting a grade by the end of the holiday yeah. season. <laughs> oh. Well, look, on today's show, we're prepared to go on the record about the movie She Said, and then later we'll pitch some movie ideas ripped from headlines. And of course, we've got that Christmas movie minute for you. But first, in lieu of an itadic, this week we're going to take a look back at the year in film Twitter freakouts in a segment we had no choice but to call Twitter Dick. Sometimes, oh, Marissa! Oh, yeah, you know, Marissa loves a pun. Uh, sometimes when there are heated internet conversations around Hollywood news, we here at Maximum Film choose not to jump into the fray, assuming that, like us, you will be sick of hearing about it by the time the show airs. But now that some time has passed and Twitter's future is uncertain, we're going to do a lightning round weighing in on some of this year's trending debates. Marissa, we'll go ahead and step in and read these, yeah. and nope. we'll chime in to uh, say what the what the take is. Yeah, so basically the idea here is I'll just lob it out and uh, hopefully one of you will know, like remember what it is that I'm talking about. If you have an opinion, maybe you could explain what it was for anybody who like wasn't in on that. 
how does it seem in retrospect? That's the idea. I am excited to come across like the <laughs> nana I am at heart. And I'm like, what's that mean? Oh, huh? We get a chance at the end too for you guys to remind me of any that I forgot. Um, but I was trying to stay away from anything that we explicitly covered during the Itadic calendar. Gotcha. Excellent. So first one, first one was not long ago. So I know you'll remember it. Harry Chris Spitgate. I care. Mm. I care uh. very much about yeah. that. <laughs> I do know this one. I do know this one. That was the greatest day of my life <laughs> on Twitter. I I had gotten the booster the day before, so I was like a little bit tired, kind of not feeling well. I literally spent the entirety of Labor Day uh, deeply uh, following every single moment of the "Don't Worry, Darling" Venice premiere. My Halloween costume was. Florence Pugh at the Don't Worry Darling <laughs> Venice premiere when she was skipping the press conference to drink Aperol Spritz. Yes. Nice. Um, you know what? I still don't know if Harry spit on he Chris. He, but he, he, he absolutely did. I, but I don't I'm not think tired of this topic. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, the best. It's like of the examination of it, like the Zaprooter tape, is yeah. like a very real benchmark of the year of 2022. The fact that I knew what it was, and again, I am five steps out of knowing anything pertinent or relevant. But this one, yeah, so it was this clip of when they're, they put the, at Venice, they put the cast in this very like, designated section of seats so that everyone can see them all the time and they have cameras on them. And when Harry Styles went to sit down, he, like a thing of spittle, flies out of his mouth towards Chris Pine and Chris Pine visually reacts to it. It's the reaction. It's the it's reaction the re- that sells so great. the spit. And it's Back the whole thing the of left. like, yeah, and that they were like, uh, and there was already so much other nonsense around everything happening with that but it is the funniest thing that chris pine had to he had a like publicist on retainer who had to say chris pine was not spit upon by mr <laughs> harry like, yes pay these people to put these things out officially that's so stupid i love and it I, I think the reason why we got so obsessed with it because it was so stupid and like there's so much yeah. bad stuff going on in the world yes. that it was like this is so meaningless and it was that inconsequential we, we that can. entire premiere, I think, is going to be analyzed in business schools or something <laughs> for years to come. It was just such a weird confluence of events, oh. and the all the backstage turmoil suddenly becoming visible, and the all the all the the the, the shade being thrown. It's weird because I I had COVID. I was supposed to go to the Venice Film Festival and oh, got COVID right. right beforehand. Right. The last thing I did before like taking to my sickbed was seeing "Don't Worry, Darling," and so going into all of that having. Seen the movie, seen the which movie. most people didn't. It was like, oh, this is bananas. Yeah. Oh my god, and it's still ongoing. Like they just had uh, uh, Harry and Olivia broke up this week. Oh man, or, or, uh, wow. a couple weeks ago. It's it's just so still so fresh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the wound has not healed. Yeah, yeah. It's you know yeah that that was uh, so so fun to watch because I love. Love, love, love uh, any type of beef talk, you know, from my history of hip hop deep into Hollywood. So even like the buzzing around it, it was uh, it was great. Uh, truly exciting. day. It was a very pro wrestling kind of Oscar bait. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Moment. yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, did any, I mean, we can move off from this. It's supposed to be a lightning round, right? Oh, but like, sorry. Oh, come on. No, no, no. No, I but hours. I have one. We can't move off from it but until I say. Didn't anybody see the like zoomed back footage that was like Chris Pine picking up his sunglasses yes. that were in his lap? That's the I reaction. Found, I found that very convincing. Yes. Mm. Well, because he kind of shakes his head. He, he looks down thing. at his lap. Yeah. He kind of shakes his head. And then he like puts the sunglasses on. And you can tell that. I mean, this is a man who's had to sit next to Harry Styles babbling nonsense in press yes. days all the entire day you know yeah and you know i do feel for harry styles because i'm pretty sure he was like on stage in madison square garden flew directly to venice and it's like he's jet lagged he's <laughs> he's a performer he's trying to like do this thing it's like you know i'd probably be babbling nonsense too at that point 
But um, yeah, Chris Pine was just like, I've had it officially. <laughs> well, cut this down <laughs> yeah. to lightning round if you need to. But then later when we have to do like a Max Phil and uh, like, you know, bonus episode, we can just yeah. circle yeah. back to this topic. And <laughs> Come on, I can't cut any of this. Every, this is what I, the okay. conversation everyone's been waiting for. Because I do have one other thought, which is... <laughs> I guarantee you, Chris Pine, like as old as I felt with you suggesting that we're going to do a Twitter dick, is how <laughs> old Chris Pine felt with all the Harry Styles shit. Mm. Oh, you <laughs> know. Yeah, he was definitely Chris like, Pine oh. felt his age with all of that. Like, why, why am I even a part of this? Yes. Uh. Remove me from this narrative. Uh. Yeah. So um, who has a, a thought or a memory about Literary non-hottie gate. I don't know that. Oh, I have no God. idea what this oh. is. It was suggested that Joyce Carol Oates shouldn't have written a book about Marilyn Monroe <laughs> because she wasn't attractive enough to understand what it was like to be no Marilyn Monroe, which way. then set up an entire discussion about literary hotties and <laughs> non-hotties. Look wow. at Joyce Carol Oates. There's so much more that's funny to make fun of about Joyce Carol Oates than the fact that she looks like a woman who is named Joyce Carol Oates. <laughs> like, she's, she can be a fantastic writer, but she's also bonkers as hell, which, you know, a, a kind of often I on Twitter. Appreciate. She's an yes. all time poster. Like, I think that's nuts. Didn't she, like, post like a disgusting picture of her foot one time <laughs> like she was like what's wrong with I'm my foot it was like Google an that. infected yes! toenail don't look it's gross it's really gross I wish she I had not Twitter seen it she made her web MD yeah <laughs> and then, but the funny thing about the literary hotties or non hotties was when then people started tweeting pictures of like young Joyce Carol Oates and being like she's bad I was like okay like it was just circling around in so many different ways uh, amazing okay. All right. Um, how about this one? Hashtag not my Mario. Yeah, I know who I'm looking at. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Video game. Like I said, many an episode ago uh, with the Sonic news is we gave gamers too much power and uh, we they think that their opinions matter. And yeah, that's basically uh, what happened with the Mario stuff. I mean, there is the. Chris Pratt is is just constantly uh, just the the most divisive Chris of them all, and and putting him as Mario, even though the the uh, no, any people have yet to answer me, would they have preferred an Italian doing a Italian accent the whole Mario movie, or a different American doing it? Or hiring the uh, original Mario voice, which would be nice, but thus also a non-Italian doing an Italian accent. <laughs> so, uh, what about John Leguizamo? Can we just go back to the OG yes, movie? He, How about that? Uh, look, I fight for that one. Wasn't he Luigi? Yeah, oh, no. Hell if we, I need, know. we need Bob a hologram of Bob uh, Hoskins. Okay. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Only they had AI his voice like uh, James Earl Jones's. You know? Bob yeah. Hoskins is English. <laughs> No, yeah. I know. That's why I was like, how? how and he did Mario as uh, like a New Yorker. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So I went ahead and uh, found Charles Marinette is uh, French descent. So Good. I just know European Twitter would just be up in flames. <laughs> if... yeah. Oh, you don't want to tell an Italian they're French. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not standing near that. Yeah. I like or the Swiss idea even. of if Chris Pratt is the most problematic Chris. What would have happened if Harry Styles had spat on him? Uh, <laughs> applause, I think, in a lot of yeah, 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 A definitely. whole different vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think this one might also be one for Ify to take the lead on, but prove me wrong if you wish. Um, the Morbin Time debacle. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, if you get all the cool ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this, is, this is, once again, uh, gamers having too much power, but for good this time, uh, because uh, they've somehow used memeing to convince Sony <laughs> that people <laughs> would, uh, would go to the theaters. But we'll start at the source. Morbius comes out, and someone <laughs> jokingly tweets uh, that their favorite part of Morbius is when uh, Morbius says it's Morbin time. 
And so then uh, the internet uh, proceeds to attribute, you know, false quotes, a uh, whole bunch of holy shit, I'm about to morb. Uh, making a picture morb- of Jared Leto holding a screenplay and then the fake <laughs> zoom in, this is Morbius 2 colon morbid time. Yeah. <laughs> It just really blew up in the best way, and Sony's like, "Oh, we'll 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 get in on the joke by re-releasing." <laughs> and how re-release. did that work out for them? And how did uh, that work out for them? Oh, they uh, they uh, lost some more money. <laughs> the same three people who saw it on its regular well, release. And again, it's like, I think th- th- it's that thing where studios, you know, talk about things that'll be discussed in business school. They don't understand the difference between like just mm-hmm. because there is there is animated conversation on the web, it doesn't mean that like everyone's going to run out to see snakes on a plane on opening weekend. They just like talking about snakes on a plane in the social media sphere. And that was a much better movie than Morbius, mind you. But like this this wasn't even a thing of like oh we're enthusiastic about this concept even though we don't want to see the movie. This was we're making fun of you, Sony. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. just didn't even get it. Well, well, it's it's so funny because I know that, like, I get where their brain was. Like, they definitely thought they had a cat situation on their hand. <laughs> but the big difference is that people were going to see cats and talking yeah. about it. There was a there was a combined effect here. There was no data suggesting that people were actually going to... As a matter of fact, they were making up lines in the movie so they wouldn't have to see it. Yes. <laughs> Still haven't seen um, Morbius. Uh, I, I, I've, I've yeah. started it. I've seen the first 15 minutes and then I stopped. Oh, it was my job. I watched it till they said Morbin time and then I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we had so much fun with this that I think we probably have to wrap it up. But let me just say, were there any big ones, any honorable mentions that I forgot? I mean, there are a couple more uh, I feel like quarterly someone tweets something dumb about Martin Scorsese Martin Scorsese versus the Marvel Universe is always that's a perennial it happens every three months it makes me insane and then people will be like Martin Scorsese only makes gangster movies and I'm j- I just want to start screaming well, the age of innocence here's, until here's, my head pops have off. Have you seen Silence? Couldn't <laughs> try to watch Silence. The issue here is that the the Martin Scorsese Mar- Marvel beef uh, uh, happens and then the worst fans from both sides <laughs> <Yes>. come out. <laughs> and no one's happy. No one's, no one's happy. Everyone's mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's truly like the 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 worst of the Marvel fans, the most film broy of the film bros. <laughs> yes. And it, it's it's like the scene, uh, ironically, in Infinity War, uh, where <laughs> they all rush at each other. Well, you know, and look, if we the once the Snyder cut people got what they wanted then suddenly it was like oh release the air cut of suicide squad because that's something anybody wants so i just want to once again make my pitch for release the jeremiah chechik cut of the 1998 the avengers with ray fines and Uma oh, the cast. <laughs> they were they should have been so good also he's not kidding i've heard him say that before it is a, <laughs> it is a repeat plea yeah we can get this going all right. <laughs> All right. This this has been Twitter Dick. And with that, I leave you. Yeah. Thank you, Marissa. Marissa. Thank you, Marissa. But, you know, you didn't have to leave because we're all going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about She Said. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. Listen, you like podcasts, right? Sure you do. Don't try and lie to me. You're listening to one right now. So why not try a different one? called R1, The Flophouse. Uh-huh, and on The Flophouse, we watch a movie and talk about it. And then sometimes we also do other stuff. It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not Our One, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. <laughs> I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse, a lot of correcting Dan. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, if you are in the studio with me are... Drea Clark, Katie Walsh, Alonzo Duralde. And today's movie retells the true story around New York Times expose of Harvey Weinstein. It stars Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan as journalists Megan Tuohy and Jody Cantor. So, Drea, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of She Said? 
All right. This film takes us way back to 2016. Um, and uh, Tui and Cantor are, of course, New York Times journalists who are coming in from uh, different backgrounds, but essentially teaming up to put together an investigative report um, regarding the sexual abuse allegations they have been hearing about um, powerful Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. And uh, to get to the root of that, they are meeting with people who have been involved both as victims of um, Weinstein, but then also enmeshed in the system of getting that his, his oh God, who, who even knows? They're enmeshed in the system of how he got away with this for so very long because it is embedded and intricate and involves a lot of people enabling and excusing and looking away from behavior and also actively supporting it um, by paying people off, etc. Um, it led to the the Me Too movement kicking off um, and is uh, was a, an enormous investigative undertaking um, by these two women, and that is who the story centers around. She said... <laughs> Gonna say you're not done until you nope. <laughs> yeah. dispelling be dismount. I know my dismount. Yep, yep. I guess yeah. What was it like watching this film and being taken back to 2016 at the start? Because for me, I was like, oh, this is okay. This is what it's like to live in times that movies are talking about. I was, you know. Well, it was so strange. I was like, all the way back to 2016. Them, I've never been great at keeping track of time because I now live in I live in Los Angeles there's no seasons here who knows when it is I it's either awards season or whatever but like right right like you hit adulthood and you're not clocking time in the same way like oh fourth grade fifth grade combine that with the pandemic which eliminate not eliminate but like Sped all time became blurry years, yeah. right i'm like what is time so to be like oh this 2016 this was actually a number of years ago and i've seen then fallout of this i've seen it become different kinds of like that that we are to a point where me too is also a punchline of certain things and so so rooting it back in this was this reminder of if you had asked me, I would have said this was a couple years ago, but also, of course, it's been more than that. Whatever. I realize I'm sending the most freshman stoner. <laughs> you guys, do you ever think about how time is it really? But <laughs> well, it, it helps. The, it helps that the movie starts with the, the Trump campaign, like that. At least is truly. a thing to sort of nail down, like ah, that shit moment in history. Megan Toohey is talking to. Uh, you know, women who had been you know, uh, uh, sexually harassed by him and getting them to go on the record. And so it's sort of priming the pump for what this conversation is. And and the movie never explicitly says so. But I do remember at that moment thinking once Trump got elected, that yes. was really that was what kind of when the dam started bursting on yes. these sort of like sexual improprieties of powerful white men. It was kind of like, all right, if the Access Hollywood tape couldn't keep this shit from getting from uh, entering the highest office of the land, then everybody else is better look out because it's we're, it's time to start telling stuff. And so, yeah, like at the beginning of the movie, you see like the Bill O'Reilly stuff happening and how you know, the news corp sort of circled the wagons for him and then didn't, you know. And so the 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 dominoes are kind of in place for this Weinstein story because he was probably, you know, one of Hollywood's greatest offenders in this thing. It was interesting how I kept waiting for the name Hillary Clinton to show up and it didn't. But like they, there is this notion of like he was somebody who's not only entrenched in the business itself, but had so many kind of powerful connections in politics. The one that you do get in the movie is how, uh, uh, you know, Gloria Allred's daughter, because he had the rights to her book. She was very happy to like be his feminist shield basically during all of this. I do think it's interesting, though, how the film is so focused on just the article. And like, I think that there is a huge responsibility to that, that they must have felt the filmmakers must have felt to getting it just the facts. Cause like there's an interesting scene where Megan Toohey, who's written this article about Bill O'Reilly gets a phone call from one of his producers where they say, are you a feminist? And there's this like underlying accusation of like, 
oh, you have a feminist agenda, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, the film is feminist. She said it is feminist. It's made by a woman, directed by, uh, written by a woman. You know, it's just based on a book by two other women (laughs) in itself is feminist. But I think that there's also a huge amount of um, trying to keep it really limited in scope to just the reporting out of this article, because there's like a pressure of like just like the very fact driven aspect of it. Do you think that's to the movie's benefit or its detriment? I mean, I think I think that's. It's just, it is what it is. I kind of appreciate that it just ends with, like, publish. And it doesn't have to, like, go beyond, like, what the actual fallout was beyond, like, some text on screen. Um, You know, because I think that they have, like, a really big task of telling the story. Because it's become, like Drea said, it's become sort of like, oh, it's me too. It's a punchline or it's a thing that people, like, kind of wield against us. I also think that, like... In 2017, it felt like the culture of Hollywood was, like, really going to change. And I don't know that it has. That's the part that made me feel like, oh, if you asked me, this was, like, a year ago. Because what has really changed? I'll say that in terms of the scope, because we had previously spoken about the film The Assistant, which Mm. is a very different take on the idea of of Weinstein. and, um, And that is, of course, it's focused on the young woman playing one of his assistants and, and being on the periphery of that. But the thing that they have in common and that I think is really difficult to convey and so important to these stories is the systemic nature of what drives this kind of cover up that these things, you know, terrible behavior happens all the time. Terrible behavior is permitted, excused and extended when there is a net and a system in place to keep it going. And that that is also so emotionally complicated. And I, I was grateful for looking at the women who were um, the receiving end of terrible things that he had done, but also women who were privy to like either assisting or not stopping or, you know, because that that is a reality and they live with that. And, and it's it's more than just, oh, why did no one stop this man? It's, oh, yeah. Oh, and so I thought it was smart. And so much, I mean, obviously the comparisons of this film to All the President's Men, very clear, very there, like, oh, it's a female, because you have your report, your, your duo of intrepid reporters trying to get the story out, following the leads, doing all, fine. But I think different from Watergate, what you're getting with this kind of thing is the idea of there's, there's even, well, I mean, there's always emotional complications, but there's so much nuance to what each person who was involved brought away with them how it's affected them and then feeling guilt or shame or um indignant like you know there's just so many interesting dramatic responses um and i thought that they did a good job of giving us that array of all of the people involved in this kind of thing because it's so much more than just your harvey weinstein and the people of his ilk yeah um also, I think it did a real good job of like, which is why I just really would love if so many people checked it out of kind of illustrating why people don't go to the police. I think it did like it truly kind of just flat out showed just how, you know, even for the people who aren't Weinstein, how it is like your word versus someone else in a world dominated by men and, and how that just makes you feel hopeless. So then you add like one of the most powerful people in Hollywood, you know, how do you even, how do you even compete with that? I was just going to say like the, the culture of silence is so, I mean, you see it in the NDAs that he makes people sign, which, you know, so a lot of people were paid um, and, and signed NDAs, which like, I don't even know if they can really be prosecuted for it, but it's like all these, lawyers who made money off the settlements like they're a part of this cultural of silence and like and silencing people legally but i also think like i was an assistant in a film company in new york city in the early 2000s like the word no was like not in my vocabulary like so i i remember thinking when all this weinstein stuff was coming out that like i understood why 
it was so hard for people who were like just on the periphery, who were assistants, who were um, other executives, who were, um, you know, involved in in either they were victims or they were not, you know, they were just there. It's like you just there's no way like you're just brainwashed. And that's why I love uh, Kitty Green's The Assistant, too, because it really shows how that system works. Um, so just the the whole, the many layers of silencing that goes on and how these women have to like push past the silence to like draw these stories out and like how can they tell these stories with or without these women's voices. Where it kind of falls apart for me is that I think that what this movie is about is so fascinating, but how this story is told is so so straightforward you know and and, mm-hmm. and i think that like and, and not that it has to be like you know have, has have, you know crazy filigree or flourishes but you know when you look at you know all the president's men and spotlight which are sort of the kind of you know touchstones of this genre i felt like i had there was more of an emotional uh, component to those films. And like in this film, you get some sense of the reporter's home lives and like, you know, one of them is pregnant and then he gives birth and deals with postpartum depression. But like, it's so constantly moving forward and so A to B to C that I, I, it felt a little dry for me. And I was surprised because like Maria Schrader directed I'm your man, which I thought was really great and a really like emotionally challenging movie that makes you sort of question what you even think about what you're being shown and this is like there are moments I think where the where the actresses really make it pop like you have these ones that you know like a scene from Jennifer Ely and you have a scene from Samantha Morton as these you know years later wine scene victims telling their stories um but I don't know. I, I as much as I felt for the women involved and 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 was horrified by it and and sort of frustrated with the labyrinth of NDAs and lawyers and all the the reasons, both systemic and just sort of like shitty patriarchy stuff that keeps these stories from coming out and keeps these systems in place. I don't know. I just I wanted this movie to set me on fire more, and it just it was a, it was a little bit vegetables for me. Can can I say strangely I. A hundred percent agree with you and also was kind of grateful for that Mm. because I find it very, I was, I I had the weird thing where I've been like looking forward to this film and also was completely reticent. I was like, Mm. oh God, I don't, I know this. I know this feeling. I know the feeling of watching women not being listened to and I was sort of dreading that in some ways. And so there was something about the, not clinical, because I do think there's an emotional quality to this, but like you said, straightforward's a good word of that, that narrative helped me because then I wasn't just rehashing my anger at the world, my bitterness of these systems. I was able to just watch the pieces of this story get and I, I would have I preferred that tactic to if I had felt like uh this I'm like feeling not emotionally manipulative but like um, it wasn't like sensational now yeah yes, oh yeah yeah uh, it's definitely not exploitative but also you know y- y'all you know Dre you work in this industry uh you know Katie you used to work in directly in that industry and you you cover film we're all we all read about this stuff and we know people who know people and you know yeah. I'm wondering like how does the average audience of non you know Hollywood insider you know we call shallow, them civilians yes <laughs> yeah. how does, yeah. does fly over country take this story <laughs> you know I mean like does it does it land in that way if you don't come in armed with what we have as people who just live here and and you know swim in this water but I do think that that's I mean like I agree with you I think the script is a little dry and kind of like I mean, clinical to mm. in certain moments. I think the supporting characters are great. Jennifer Ely, Samantha Morton were huge standouts for me. Um, I think sometimes when they're talking about like the mechanics of publishing and it gets a little like doctor language or something, <laughs> like doctor journalism language. Right. But um, and so but at, like but I also think that's a good point, Drea, that like they're not sensationalizing. I do think like for, a, you know, a non Hollywood audience, like there's a lot of pressure to like get it exactly right in a very like straightforward way. But I found myself being like, 
oh my God, I'm so moved by the end of it. It really crept up on me. I was like so moved when Ashley Judd goes on the record. <laughs> and oh I'm like, my I hope, God. Like, I'm like, I know she goes on the record. This was five years ago. Like, <laughs> I, I know, she agreed to be in the movie. I, was She's in the movie. I did not realize <laughs> Ashley Judd was playing Ashley Judd. And, you know, we, we spoke briefly before we were recording about um, – Actresses, especially that we know who were victims. I hate the word victim. I mean, they were, though. They survivors. Were. Yeah. Thank you. Survivors They of uh, Harvey Weinstein. But her involvement with it of like that, that meshing of real world and fictional world was so impactful. I mean, as small as it was. And then there's small, there's other ones who didn't. Like Rose McGowan is voiced by someone else. Old Gwenny Paltrow has um is seen at a distance else. or something. Yeah. Uh, um, whoever they cast to play the back of Harvey Weinstein's head. Perfect. Impeccable. <sighs> so good. Truly. And and I also want to say that there, you know, you hear Trump on the phone and it's James Austin Johnson yes, who's yes. from SNL <laughs> who does the best. Trump. I was like, I wonder if that's him, and it is him. Yeah, um, you're a terrible person. Yeah. So they, I think they, they kind of worked around those constraints uh, quite well. But oh. yeah, I mean, I, it, it's it's an interesting film. I think with like a lot to to chew over in terms of like its effect and and how people are gonna like get into the story or not. Yeah. No. I I, I think it's it's one of those things, right? Because I was watching and that was. That was kind of my takeaway where, like, I just hope the people who need to see it will watch it because I feel like it really does do a good job of displaying, um, I don't know, just, just we look at movies as like a view on the other side, a POV that you wouldn't think of. And I think there's even moments that aren't necessarily dealing with this that are neat, like when they come out in the same dress and they have this like moment and it just felt like real genuine, like it really felt like watching this that... Uh, the people making this just wanted us to feel how it feels. And uh, because of that, it, it makes it an extremely important movie, I feel like. I like what you just said about like the people who need to see this. Because I think a lot of times people assume that's women who have felt they've gone through a similar thing. And certainly there's something here. But, and again, feel free to rewind this and take a shot every time I use the word systemic. <laughs> Apologies for my limited vocabulary. No, it's, you but, feel right? free but, to do it. It's what you. it is. But, but there's something about trying to explain um, systemic inequality or any across the board is difficult because it's you know it's like you have a light bulb on and you're like oh well this is you want to know how racism affects like real estate or black family incomes now let me take you back to redlining or the gi bill or whatever like if you don't see those things in action then it always does just seem like oh this was just like a a small uh, a human error that had these things and in fact there's often just there's entire Oh, systems in place <laughs> that they get you there and and whether it's this kind of thing of like assault in the workplace or the abuse of power i mean that transcends that you don't have to live in hollywood you can live anywhere and there's a pastor or a coach or a teacher who mm -hmm. has been getting away with terrible behavior for so long and they are supported by a community and uh probably an industry and wherever they work like it's so it's explaining to people who are disbelievers, which is my least favorite kind of discussion to have, but maybe sometimes the most necessary of all of the things that go into them, um, I think is is helpful for expanding how people see the world. So And how they emphasize that it's like a workplace labor issue. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. it's Gwyneth yeah, yeah, Paltrow yeah. and Ashley Judd and, um, you Rose know, McGowan. Rose McGowan. But it's like. You know, like I, at one point, one of the women is like, well, does anyone going to care about like these Hollywood actresses? And it's like, well, this is fundamentally like a labor issue and like a workplace harassment yeah. issue. And no. like, yes, the, the the people involved are famous, but at the bare at the very basic level, that's what it is about. You know, yeah. and, and me too. Obviously, the actual expression goes back to like 2006, but this mm -hmm. is what sort of drove it into virality. And I, I'm old enough to remember the the Anita Hill hearings. And that was the first time that I'd ever heard the phrase sexual harassment. And it was the first time, and I was in high school, but that was the first time that like women that I knew, like teachers that I was friends with would talk about jobs they had where this sort of thing was just 
the a matter of course and you had to sort of like figure out how to you know outfox you know your handsy boss or whatever and so then when all of this came up again 35 years later it's like oh god we didn't learn a goddamn thing did we and so i i, I just i shudder to think that this is one of those things where it comes up and we talk about it and and people say it's going to be different and we're going to make changes and then decades pass and suddenly we're back at this place again vote 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 vote, vote, vote. <laughs> on that bummer note <laughs> uh, the way we rate things on this pod is screen it being the highest stream it being the you know middle level and skip it being self-explanatory so uh who wants to take the reins I- i'm gonna say that this is a stream it um mainly because i think that there's I don't as as what I think works about this movie, I think will also work uh, if you're watching it, you know, on on your couch. Uh, you know, if 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 uh, Sarah Polly had not already used the title women talking, that could have been the name of this movie, because that's most of what happens. And I'm not saying that as a disparaging thing, but I think that Maria Schrader is is so focused on like we're going to be in offices or we're going to be sitting around tables or we're going to be like, you know, having these interviews. And that is how the movie plays out. And, and I think that you're not going to lose that if you don't have the big screen experience on this one. You're. I would agree. I'd also be a stream it if only because the intimacy of that would make sense to me of, mm. of like taking this in. There's something about it, of course, feels like news informative just by virtue of being about journalists. Um, but yeah, it's not like, oh, hugely cinematic and it's not overly bombastically emotional, which as to repeat, I appreciated about it. Um, but yeah, I think this is a this is a good watch on your own. Take it in and have a good discussion or yell uh, <laughs> afterwards. Um, I'm going to say screen it, but um, I think I agree with you guys. Like uh, it, it's a streamer as well. Like if you can't make it to the theater for whatever reason, Um I don't know. I enjoy I, I enjoy a good uh, shoe leather reporting drama. And that's what this is. And so. Yeah, I mean, they don't make movies for adults anymore, so go see it in the theater. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Fair. fair. Yeah, uh, yeah, I am also going uh, to say that this is a screen it for me as well. I uh, loved it. Also, I love a good score. And uh, let me let me get the the deets on uh, who was doing this. Uh, it looks like it. Oh, it was is... Nicholas Bertel. Yeah. No, of course it was. Who's yes. doing Andor right now too? Yeah, and it makes sense. You know, uh, did the big short Vice. You know, like you know, he, he loves a he loves a nice, uh, 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 real solemn. You know, um, do oh, and he also did uh, Moonlight as well. And if Beale Street can talk yeah he knows what he's doing uh and yeah it really that kid's going places yeah yeah, he's you know keep your eye out on him uh also i think his wife plays the cello on the score and there's like some cello solos that are really beautiful so yes i agree with you yeah i just truly enjoyed and and like kind of dipping into being like oh my god so like oh hold up this is this is a great score but also um I, I love a movie that will make you get excited over things that like aren't that normally wouldn't be excited. Like when they're typing and you're like, oh my God, are they gonna are they gonna type? Or and you know, the closing moment was exactly where I thought hoped it would end. So I was very happy when I'm like, yep, that's how you end this. Uh <laughs> so yes, that is a screen it for me. But we'll be right back after hear from another show for Maximum Fun. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people. Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Sifi Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi, Katie Walsh, Drea Clark. 
And today's movie is based on a real news story and joins the pantheon of movies like All the President's Men and Spotlight and shows like Inventing Anna, where we follow a journalist or news team breaking a story. So what's a news story, past or present, that you think is due for this kind of treatment? Okay, I have two. One is more of a jokey one, but honestly, I, I feel like I could make a very fun, dark indie based on it. And that is from 2012. You might remember there was this headline that went around of um, a woman who joined a search party looking for herself. Um, and it was this, it was a, a tourist in Iceland who changed clothes or like changed jackets and getting back on the bus and they didn't recognize her and so they started a search party and they described it like all right we're looking for an asian woman around this age and height and she's like all right i'm on it i'm looking (laughs) and so she was like in the woods calling and it took them like hours before they figured out she was part of the search party and i feel like there's something very funny and that you could do in the lane of like kumiko treasure hunter i was just gonna say yes right right it gives me that but um legitimately on the investigative journalist sort of deeper dive there was um a a minnesota public radio just you know uh produced a it was season two of a podcast called in the dark but it was Mm. about uh, this long investigation uncovering the story of um this black Mississippi man named Curtis Flowers. I listened to that. Right? And it was him being tried six times for the same murders from 1996. And it was basically this prosecutor just like hounding him over decades and all that needed to go into revealing just like the racial bias of it that... Anyway, it's so it's that kind of, oh, if you're looking at this sort of all the president's men, like all of the things that have to all the people you have to talk to to get this to off the record to whatever. I feel like that story um, could be really interesting and riveting and well done, but also another good insight to all of the the systems in place, if I dare say, (laughs) that lead to that kind of thing. So. Um, both of those, uh, copyright Drea Clark. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah I automatically get a percentage if anyone makes them. Yeah. Mm, love that. How about you guys? Uh, look, I am looking ahead to when we finally get the story of all the shit that Donald Trump has been pulling off for the last 20 odd years, all of the, all of the shaky international connections and Deutsche Bank. Mm. How and much the, time do we have? Uh, yeah. Like that's for sure. This is many seasons. There are like, the a crown. So, yes, it's the, the crown. crown yes. For America. So, so many tentacles. And I'm like, you know, we're still trying to like, we don't know the things and the like. <gasps> Can it be called who, the clown? What did he take? There you the go. The golden toilet. What did he take those, those, all those papers for? What is buried oh, yeah. with Ivanka on that golf course? Like so many unanswered questions. I hope that while I'm still living on this planet, some intrepid journalist gets weaves all those threads together. I cannot wait for that. And then I the like movie that. version of it, which will feature the SNL guy. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, um, I have two also. One, I like as I was getting ready for this, I was like, I just did a quick little search and added deadline and I discovered that it's already in of course development, development. or production. <laughs> it's a, a nonfiction book that I listened to called The Mastermind. Um I guess Christy Wilson Cairns, who did uh 1917 and Last Night in Soho is adapting it. The Russo brothers are attached. It's like about this crazy guy who was running like a global like pharmacy scam crime ring and it's like very globe trotting so look out for that my second choice is in the inventing anna universe sure uh so we'll have a little anna delvey cameo maybe julia garner (laughs) it was another new york mag story that came out this year i think in february um by gabriella bluestone and it is um called I more so consider myself a con artist than anything. And it's about this woman, Danielle Miller, who was in Rikers with in uh, inventing Anna, Anna Delvey. And they were kind of friends. 
and she was doing credit card scams and that's what landed her in Rikers and like it opens with this really cinematic thing of her getting booked wearing like a bikini and like a bikini cover up and she's like in jail and making friends with these girls and like figuring out how to protect herself and then she gets out of jail and she does all these um PPP loan scams during COVID and she's like doing credit card theft, identity theft, you know, scamming the government. And she's like in Miami during COVID. (laughs) Like, and so I'm envisioning it like inventing Anna, bling ring, spring breakers, (laughs) like all of this coming together. And then there's like some really weird, interesting stuff that happened in her like middle school, New York City, um, private schools, like early aughts stuff that like leads to her like psychology of scammery. I really recommend wow. someone Let's get Selena option Gomez this on the phone piece. Right yes, now. Selena Gomez, we need you. So uh, Gabrielle Bluestone's article in New York Magazine about Danielle Miller. Nice. Oh, yeah. Good one. You know, um, I, I, I have, uh, yeah, a bunch I would love. I mean, if I was also going the future route with Alonzo, I'd like to cover the, uh, you know, uh, new lawmakers uh, that were former Swifties that uh, came out of, <laughs> you know, not being able to yes. get tickets yes. and, you know, and and how it has slowly, uh, not slowly, very quickly turned into an actual political movement uh, against Ticketmaster and their monopoly on tickets. So uh, the soon to be BuzzFeed breakdown of that would be fun. Um, and also just, uh, I forget the case hold on let me see but there was a big case that the buzzfeed newsroom uh broke um and i would and because i actually have witnessed that buzzfeed newsroom i would love to see um oh this, my gosh like very that, yes. yeah this this the one on beverly serious. where they had where it looked like a, a boutique <laughs> Where it's like all the president's men, but like in the BuzzFeed newsroom yeah. where they have just like oh, yeah. signs that are like, LOL. It's so funny because the BuzzFeed newsroom is like for all intents and purposes, when you see it, if you saw only that, it would be a newsroom. But if you just turn your head a little bit, you see the tasty offices. <laughs> if you turn your head the other way, you see the other people filming their weird like BuzzFeed and videos. And there's like investigative reporters like, in, you know, in front of someone doing like a Try Guys video. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? I I flip it. The BuzzFeed, uh, the movie is BuzzFeed Newsroom having to cover the Try Guys controversy. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Layers and layers. Yeah, that's that is that that's my pick. You know, we found it. Katie really helped me mold it. We worked together. (laughs) We did it. We did it. I love watching artists craft. You know, this this, this is what we do. Uh, all right. Well, um, uh, we'll just uh, jump right into the Christmas movie minute. It's that special <gasps> time of year when our holiday movie expert. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our holiday movie expert with some of his week of movie watching and tie it up with a bow and all in one minute. So, Alonzo, are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay, so Christmas with you. Sorry, I forgot. That was the Freddie Prince Jr. movie on Netflix. Um, cute, but if you've seen Marry Me, you've pretty much seen this movie. Santa Boot Camp on Lifetime. Uh, lots of Rita Moreno, which is great. And uh, probably the best thing that Melissa Joan Hart's ever directed, for whatever that's worth. Uh, Long Lost Christmas. Uh, a ton of contrivances. Very ridiculous. When I Think of Christmas also feels very much like old Hallmark. No thank you very much. Uh, Country Christmas Harmony um, gives us at least a, a bit of a play on how these movies usually work. I love a plus size heroine where no one mentions that she's plus size so that's great. Um, My Southern Family Christmas, kind of the same deal but also kind of whatever. Uh, hashtag Xmas uh, works out more uh, uh, Christmas in Connecticut stuff than you'd think and actually pretty good. Uh, Tale of Two Christmases, eh, okay in a sliding doors way. Royal Courier Christmas, the worst. Haul Out the Holly, one of the funnier movies that Hallmark has ever made in its entire history. Worth checking out. Lacey Chabert, you are our queen. And that's it. Woo! Ooh, all right. That is, some would say, too many movies. <laughs> yeah, but you made it work. Look, 
Alonzo, some people might say you wrote the book on Christmas movies, and those people would be right. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell them about that book? Oh, I happily. If he, I've actually written one and a half books on Christmas movies. Ooh. Have yourself a movie, Little Christmas, which is about holiday classics from throughout the decades and movies that you might or might not think of as being Christmas movies, but I assure you they are. Uh, and then also, I co-wrote with the wonderful folks at the Deck, the Hallmark Podcast, I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies, uh, which is a, a thorough deep dive into more than 100 Hallmark Christmas movies, as well as tips on how to throw your own watching party, a bingo card, a history of Hallmark on TV, and much more. And they make great gifts! Yes, they sure I, do! Some would say the perfect stocking stuff. <laughs> some. Uh, I, I would fight say you it. on that. I would say yeah. it. Shove it in there with an orange, you're set. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Check it off your list. Well, now it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Who wants to start? I'll I'll go. Ooh, so okay. um coming out December 2nd on Netflix is a film that is lusty and horny enough that it could even entice Mr. Ify Wadiwe to get excited about a 1920s English side romance. That's right, Lady Chatterley's Lover. Bada boom. Emma Corwin and Jack O'Donnell O'Connell? Jack O'Connell. It's so hot and lusty and lovely. I very much enjoyed this. Um, And this book, when it came out, was faced with obscenity charges. It was banned in certain places. And this movie is like, you know what? Sex is great, and this woman would like to have some, and we're going to let her. And so they did. (laughs) Nice. And uh, yeah, and I want you to know that when I watched this, I had forgotten that element of Lady Chatterley's Lover. I think the last D.H. Lawrence thing I read was Women in Love. So I was like, Uh. God, this movie's got a lot more boning than I was expecting. And then I looked at it, I was like, Dirt. That's the whole thing. I say they, it is one of the horniest of the classics. I don't know how you. They truly. That part, they <laughs> they were like we're one of the horniest of the classics, and we're not going to let you down. So cozy up Netflix and uh, watch some. Pure. Nope. That's the wrong phrase. Watch some sex scenes. Uh, I'm going to go with the whole low-hanging fruit here and just say All the President's Men. It's on HBO Max, yeah. and it is sort of the ur-text of the uh, journalistic procedure, uh, procedural, rather. And so if you've never seen it, uh, if you, it's, I think it's the kind of movie that people think they've seen because it's just sort of like we all know what it's about and we all know how it ends. But uh, it, it is a genuinely suspenseful and, um, you know, I think one of the apex examples of how do you take a piece of recent history that everybody knows the culmination of and make it super tense and suspenseful throughout Alan J. Pakula directing it and doing a bang up job. Uh, and uh, we, I didn't mention Patricia Clarkson and uh, Andre oh. Brower as the editors of the New York Times and uh, their, yes. their, their ancestor and all this is uh, Jason Robards as Ben Bradley from the Washington Post who won an Oscar for this movie. So yeah, if you've never seen it or if you have seen it, it's on HBO Max, All the President's Men. And if you had forgotten just how beautiful robert redford was yeah get it get in on that and that's a movie that flies by it's like almost three hours it flies by yes um i'm gonna recommend a book but it's like related to movies maybe it'll be a movie one day um this is actually recommended to me by my good friend jenny motto it is called funny you should ask by Alyssa sussman um, it is a romance novel. I've been reading romance novels so much. It's like my coping mechanism right now. Might just decompress with a little banter, some spiciness. It's just, it's doing uh, a lot I, I for me. I just spent 60 seconds rattling off Hallmark titles. I, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's based on, I don't know if you guys remember, like in the mid-aughts, there were all these um, uh profiles of like there was a Chris Evans profile in GQ that Edith Zimmerman did where they were kind of getting very close it's like the reporter and the star getting a little too close there was one of Channing Tatum like Taffy Brodesser Ackner did one of Tom Hiddleston and it was like so it's like kind of comes off this idea of like a what if a reporter like someone profiling a movie star um like fell in love with the movie star and the movie star fell in love with them. And um, so it's like this, it's just a really interesting piece. Uh, She basically threads in throughout the story. Like she threads in the, you know, 
the actual profile that she wrote, other profiles she's written, and blog posts, and newsletters, and um, fan sites, and movie reviews. So like every chapter is like some different form of something kind of moving the story along. It's very light, but it is so fun. I can totally see it being adapted into a movie, but it's kind of, you know, in theme with what we're talking about, like journalists and getting too close to the story and like the whole process of that. Anyway, if you don't want to watch a movie, if you'd rather read a book, (laughs) Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman is you can read it in a day. It's super. The exact level of susceptible I am to book things is while you were talking, I just checked that out of the library on my Libby app. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Love that, Libby app. <laughs> that was a pitch for me. Yes. Amazing. So anyway, that was my, that was my, uh, that was your maximum book. Uh, my maximum book. Yep. <laughs> Ify, what you got? So, two weeks ago, you might have remembered uh, a, a new rule I've added to my staff picks, that if um, I can connect certain actors in certain films with a certain director, that then I will have to pick that director's film, uh, that director being uh, Nicholas Wending Refn. Oh, Lord. Mm. Oh, Yeah. You so you then you already know that of course we're gonna have to go with Drive, uh, who who none other than our star is once again just featured in another film where she she doesn't talk as much, uh, but you know I'm sure that was an artistic choice by Nicholas himself, uh, and and you know we thank him for it. Some would say this is his one good movie. That person <laughs> wouldn't be me, of course. Um, but why don't you go ahead and pop in Drive, uh, which truly did begin my love affair with Ryan Gosling. Uh, after this, I was a believer. I was hot on the goss. And um, and ever since then, you know, it's all history. We'll meet one day, Ryan. And when we do, I'm sure it'll be great. What are Gosling fans called? Like... Gooseheads. Uh, geese heads. Geese heads. <laughs> yeah. Iffy, yeah. <laughs> iffy, when you meet Ryan Gosling, I will accept nothing short of you having a dance off with him, but doing that exact dance he did for when he was like 12 and he was like the sole boy in like on stage with like on a the group Mickey of Mouse Club. Oh. oh no, pre that. And it's oh. him in like a like a jazz hip hop performance and he's like with the hammer pants in the yes. hammer pants and like yeah I want that exact dance if he if, if it wasn't already clear that if he is the token straight guy on this show his <laughs> periodic love of Nicholas winding Refn is really <laughs> this, just drives that home if you will we get it you have sex with women <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we got to give it up. Thanks to Katie Walsh for coming back again. Thank you guys for having me. I always have a blast. This has been great. All right. Well, where can people find you and your stuff? Um, You can find me on Letterboxd at Katie Walsh STX or Twitter at Katie Walsh STX for as long as that website is still running (laughs) by the grace of, you know, whatever (laughs) 10 engineers still work there. Um, uh, or on Rotten Tomatoes, I write for The Wrap for uh, Alonzo and yes, for the Tribune News Service and the LA Times. So my stuff's on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so you can find me there. Yay. Mm, yay. Andrea and Alonzo, as always, thank you for another wonderful show. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. And you, listener, thank you for listening to us and blessing us with your ears. And if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum Film or send us an email at Maximum Film at Maximum Our producer is the wonderful Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye. Yay. I wasn't joking, by the way. I absolutely just checked that book out. Oh, I believe it. I took a screenshot. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.